Hi everyone, welcome to Living La Vita Loca podcast, a retro gaming podcast for some of your retro gaming needs. My name is Faz, and in this position normally there would be Rich, but unfortunately Rich and his wife Fiona are both very ill this week. Uh, we hope that they get better soon, um, mostly because I'll be out of the podcasting business, um, but also they give me a warm house to go to once every two weeks, which is quite nice as well. I get to stroke a cat, it's great. Uh, but yeah, so we are going to be taking a little bit of a de- detour from our regular scheduled podcasting. We were, all three of us, including Fiona, going to be doing a Final Fantasy extravaganza podcast. That will still be happening, um, and that will extend over two weeks because it will be a big podcast. We've played six Final Fantasy games. I am very tired. Um, so I'm quite glad to have a little, uh, a little different break and talk about something, um, a bit different from what we normally would do on the podcast. Um, over Christmas, I received a gift from my wife. I bought myself the gift and then Sally, my wife paid for it, which is very kind of her. It is from, uh, coolspotgaming.co.uk. And the reason that uh, I shopped at Coolspot Gaming was all because of Rich. Uh, in episode 21, Rich reviewed a 2018 game called Dangan for the Game Boy, which was a bullet hell game um, to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Game Boy. And recently Rich told me that he was going to go and get a commissioned cartridge made of Dangan 2 from Cool Spot Gaming. I'd never been to the website before. Um, but about a month before Christmas, I went to the website and I took a look and I saw that there was quite a few um, ROMs or hacks on there that you could get on Game Boy cartridges. And one that I was particularly interested in was um, Pokemon Red, but it was called the TPP version. And I was like, oh, what's that? I've never heard of that before. Uh, and then I found out that this is Twitch Plays Pokemon anniversary red version and i was like right well i don't know what that is so i looked it up a little bit and um yeah it's safe to say what i found i was absolutely stunned and amazed and very impressed by um and i just want to share today in on podcast a little bit about um what twitch plays pokemon is um so 10 years ago there was a simple social experiment started on the streaming channel twitch um, so it was created by a freelance Australian computer programmer. Um, I think he still rena- remains anonymous. I think somebody else has taken over the channel, which still currently exists today. And I looked it up the other day, and lo and behold, here they were playing on Pokemon White or Inverse White, I believe it was. So the premise was to play through Uncomplete Pokemon Red. So sounds very simple why would we be streaming that on twitch well the idea is that actually i'd say you know in a basic format is that people that follow and view on twitch could enter actions for the protagonist of pokemon red into the chat to follow the actions that you could enter were a b up down left right and start which sounds easy but it was anything but over 1.1 million people viewed this game when it was taking part. Um, regularly, there was over 80,000 people viewing it. 
and of that about 10% of those people so about 8,000 people were actually putting inputs into the game so it started off quite quiet and you would think actually maybe having a, a couple of hundred people maybe putting inputs in to make this game happen sounds like it might be manageable and feasible but having 8,000 people put in put in actions into the game to try and make the protagonist move around in in Kanto it was it took a long time so i believe it took about 17 days for the i guess the hive mind to complete this game and i was fascinated to hear about what happened in this and I'm so lucky to have found that on the subreddit for Twitch Plays Pokemon, there's a complete narration of the journey, of the initial journey of Twitch Plays Pokemon. So the game that I've picked up and I've started playing, and I'm not going to review today because I've only just started playing it, is actually the anniversary version of this. It's called Anniversary Red. So it took part, it took place a year later after the first uh, first version of the game. Um, it's actually a modded version that is a more difficult version of the original Pokemon Red, specifically where you can catch all 151 Pokemon in the game, which, who doesn't want that? So I'm really looking forward to trying to push myself with that. All the wild Pokemon are at higher levels in the original game. There's more wild Pokemon in each area, and the AI is more intelligent, and also it gives like more secondary effects during battles. So already I've come across the first trainer, and they've got a Paris and I think a Kakuna, and they beat the living shit out of me with my Pokemon the very first time I tried it, so it definitely is going to take some grinding, but I'm looking forward to it as well, it's pretty exciting. That particular version, the anniversary anniversary version of Pokemon Red, took the mob 40 days to complete, um, so I'm hoping it'll probably take me a little bit less time because I'm the only one putting inputs in, but at the same time, I'm looking forward to the challenge it brings. But what I did want to do today, and this is something a bit of a first for the podcast, and I really hope you enjoy this, I, I'm going to try and do a bit of an audio book, an audio novelization of the original Twitch Plays Pokemon, Pokemon Red, back from 2014. So it's actually coming up to the 10th anniversary in February of this game being played. Um, it's still the Guinness World Record holder for the most people playing together on a single online game which is a very weird stat um but once i read the novelization or at least i've looked at it so on the subreddit there is a novelization of <laughs> effectively it's just i say a novelization it's what it's a narrative of what happened um and yeah i'm really i've started reading it a little bit and i'm really looking forward to sharing it i think it's a really important thing that this is shared because it's so much fun so uh without further ado i will start reading through the narrative that is Pokemon Red, Twitch Plays Pokemon. Hope you enjoy. The history of Twitch Plays Pokemon, Generation 1. This started as a simple social experiment of people trying to overcome their differences and thus work together. Here's how it works. There is a live stream of the hacked version of Pokemon Red that is controlled by a robot. The robot, in turn, accepts commands from the chat. The accepted commands are up, down, left, right, B, A, and start. Because of this, the game is controlled by numerous people at once. The team who controls Red is often, to ref often referred to fans as the hive mind, as they collectively try to bring him to his goal. 
While it started slowly, it garnered a massive following, sometimes having over 100,000 watches simultaneously, making doing just about anything an arduous task. The beginnings of the adventure aren't well documented due to a small number of viewers early on and the fact that the early days were not recorded. What is known is that the character's name is Red and he started with a Charmander that was named A-B-B-B-B-B-K open brackets. The fans later decided to refer to her as Abby. Red caught a Pidgey just after passing Viridian Forest and no name was given. Brock was then disposed of. Abby evolved into Charmeleon on the way to Mount Moon. Red headed into Mount Moon where he found a uh, a moonstone and a nugget. Unfortunately, both were tossed later and the fans were outraged. R.I.P. Nugget and R.I.P. Moonstone are common phrases even today. These items were considered the first gods of the series. Deeper in the cave, he was given the choice between the Helix and Dome fossils. He chose the Helix fossil. Red while constantly stumbling through the menus, oftentimes selected the Helix fossil as if he attempted to consult it for advice. Whenever Red attempted to use it, the phrase, this isn't time for that, would appear. It was also unable to be tossed, giving it an immortal status. Because of this, the Helix fossil was turned to a god of sorts by the fans, praising it whenever good fortunes came their way. Praise Helix and based Helix are common religious cries among the fans. Naturally, the dome fossil, the exact opposite of the helix fossil, the dome fossil was treated as the devil. If anything goes against them, it is, often, it is oftentimes stated to be the doings of the evil dome fossil. They made it through Mount Moon and entered Cerulean City. Shortly after arriving, the team caught a ratata, who was nicknamed JLVWNNOOOOO, but called Jay Leno by the hive mind. After this, the team ventured all the way to Bill obtained the SS ticket. Similar to the Helix Fossil, the SS ticket was consulted on numerous occasions, creating a division between who the true leader of the group is. The most side with Helix, but the ticket gained a smaller cult following. Just about every item obtained along the journey received some sort of veneration. The group beat Misty at one day and 19 hours. Shortly after, the team made their way down to Vermilion City. There, they traded the Spearow they had caught for a far-fetched named D-U-X, Ducks. The team boarded SS Anne and cleared it in a breathtaking two hours. After receiving cut and many attempts, they managed to teach it to Ducks, cut down the tree in the city and enter the gym. Miraculously, they were able to solve Lieutenant Surge Infinite's gym puzzle on their first try, and Abby, now a Charmeleon, swiftly took out Surge using Bide. Before returning to Cerulean, the team took a detour to Route 11, finding and catching a Drowsy and a Spearow, which were both given no nicknames. This gave them a full party of six Pokemon. They then headed to Cerulean and onto Route 9. This was by far the hardest task, as one wrong move would cause the team to start the route all over again due to the presence of many ledges. One ledge in particular was extremely tough, as one press of down would force them to restart. It took the crew almost an entire day to get past the ledge, as it was called, but it was done near the start of day three. The experience as a whole made the team stronger. Many said that any task could be completed with enough time. They made their way to the pitch black rock tunnel. Previously, along the way, they'd found the TM Dig, which was taught to Ratata with no nickname. On several occasions in rock tunnel, they accidentally, in inverted commas, used Dig, forcing them to start from the beginning of the cave. 
Because of this, the Ratata was given the name Digrat. It is currently undecided on whether Digrat is a legitimately evil supporter of the dome or just a dick. They finished the rot tunnel after nine hours and emerged in Lavender Town and quickly went on to Celadon City soon after. As the fan base grew, so too did the problems. More and more trolls gathered, simply to press start over and over again, slow in progress. These people became known as the start spammers. Their skills came into use later in the journey, but at the time they were seen as dome supporters. The entire ledge incident was a doing of trolls, as someone would always type down, halting progress. The frequent pressing of start oftentimes led to the consulting of the Great Helix, as well as checking the Pokedex entries of the first few Pokemon. It is said that Red is fixated on Bulbasaur's cry, and he too became a god. It, is also it also has led to the frequent use of the save feature. After anything goes terribly wrong, someone is always quick to point out, at least we saved. By this time, only two Pokemon good enough to fight were Abby and Pidgeotto. However, however, Abby's usefulness was beginning to decline as his only move that he did consistent damage was cut. All other Pokemon were too low level to do anything. Pidgeotto attempted to evolve on numerous occasions, but the creationists forbid this from happening. Pidgeotto did end up evolving upon entering the town, however. The team realised that Digrat would only serve as a hindrance in the future and made an attempt to store him in the PC. They were cautious, though, as they were afraid of releasing any of their Pokemon. The operation turned out to be a success, and Digrat was banished to the PC. Their next big task was to enter Erika's gym, which required cut. They entered without much hassle, using Dux's cutting abilities. Because of this, he too was given a fan name, the Slayer of Trees. Unfortunately, they whited out shortly before the gym battle. Re-entering was much more difficult, and it took roughly two hours to regain access. Pidgeot soloed the rest of the gym with a combination of Gust and Sand Attack. The whole team collaborated with a Masher Fest. It was at this point that Pidgeot gained the nickname Bird Jesus, as he was seen as the prophet sent directly by Helix after his excellent showing in the gym. The team had never felt so united before. However, this proved only temporary as a huge division came across the team. They realised they needed a Pokemon to surf, but had nothing that they could learn. Nothing that could learn it, sorry. Some people said they should get the free Eevee, go into the department store and buy a water stone. Others said they should get a Lapras, who was much less hassle. They opted to get the Eevee, and things were going well, until they wasted all their money on poker toys and a Firestone. As Flareon was widely considered the worst evolution, the operation was considered a tragic failure. The team once again realised that the team was full and decided that something needed to be deposited. They had the idea of depositing something in the daycare so they could so something could gain levels as they aimlessly walked around. This idea failed, and they opted to just deposit something to the PC instead. The team wasn't so lucky this time. They managed to retrieve the SS ticket, but both Abby and Jay Leno were released. Furthermore, they accidentally retrieved Digrat. It was a huge blow to morale. The entire team's hopes were on Bird Jesus. If something was to happen to him, they were doomed. They also ca captured an Oddish during this time, bringing the team count back to six. Eevee was blamed for all the poor fortunes the team was experiencing, and because of this, he was called the False Prophet by fans. The team made it to Saffron and entered the Game Corner. Red frequently attempted to buy coins, but thankfully had no coin case. 
After entering the rocket hideout, Digrat once again dug them out. Right before re-entering, the Firestone was finally using the False Prophet, evolving him into a Flareon. Once again, Digrat dug them out before any real progress was made. The team tried to box him once again, but ended up depositing Bird Jesus into the PC. Knowing that they were hopeless without him, the team desperately tried to rescue him, which they managed to do at the cost of depositing the Deer Helix into the PC. It was said that they that it died for their sins, and they continued without it. During this time, they achieved a small victory, tossing away their TM for teleport before using it on anything. Using it would have been disastrous, as it would have the same effect as Dig. They once again entered the game corner, only to find and promptly use an escape rope, bringing them to the Pokemon Center. Once again, they tried to deposit Digrat, which they failed to do, but did end up rescuing Helix. The team re-entered with new hope, but made little progress. They spent eight hours attempting to solve the maze, while Digrat on numerous occasions dug them out even more times. One of the biggest events to occur was a new control system implemented by the systems uh, by the stream's creator. It allowed players to type a number after their command, such as left four, which would translate into pressing left four times. He also implemented a voting system for the stream's next move. The users hated this democratic approach, as it made the stream slow and boring, and banded together in an attempt to oust the new system. They furiously typed start nine, and soon after the system was replaced with an old one. This was dubbed the Start 9 Riots by the viewers. Once again, the team attempted to box the ever-annoying Digrat, and once again they failed, instead depositing the Holy Helix and the Sacred SS Ticket, as well as a second nugget that was found on their journey. Although they never deposited Digrat, they did manage to deposit the False Prophet and Drowsy, the former of which being pure evil, and the latter being dead weight. They now had two empty slots in their party, for which they needed for something with Surf. However, no progress was made in the rocket hideout, and as a result, the creator intervened once more, creating an anarchy versus democracy tug-of-war bar. The users could vote on which system they preferred. Democracy eventually won out, although it didn't seem as though it was helping their cause at all. It brought much division. The purists believed that even if democracy was successful, it wouldn't be a true victory while those in favour of democracy believed they would never solve the maze. Many dubbed democracy as evil and related it to the dome fossil, and thus it was dubbed Domocracy. They eventually escaped the maze and returned to anarchy, grabbing the lift key at long last. Afterwards, Digrat dug them out back to the Pokemon Centre. After wandering around the city for a while, the team made a successful trip to the PC, releasing the false prophet and rescuing Drowsy, who eventually earned his nickname The Keeper after sacrificing himself to keep the false prophet away. After minimal progress was made, the chat reverted to democracy and the anarchists fought for Start 9 once again. This new system was clearly driving the entire stream apart. Even since its introduction, the majority of the chat was devoted to choosing one or the other rather than actually attempting to control the character. After fighting for a while, anarchy resumed with only a few pe brief periods of dem democracy. The team withdrew literally everything in the PC, including our Lord and Saviour Helix. They entered with a new courage to defeat Giovanni, led by Bird Jesus. They finally opened the door to Giovanni's lair, and after battling a few trainer, trainers we were, who were quickly disposed of by Bird Jesus. In an extremely tight battle, the team lost narrowly to Giovanni's final Pokemon, Kangaskhan.
the team picked themselves back up and returned with vengeance in their hearts. They headed back, struggling to get through the elevator and within reach of Giovanni, when once again, Dig Rat worked his black magic. Once again, they re-entered. They faced off against Giovanni, and this time he was defeated. However, Dig Rat once again dug before they could grab the spoils, the silver scope. To many, this was the last straw. The team tried to deposit Dig Rat once and for all, while others successfully prevented this, fearing for the loss of Bird Jesus. They eventually re-entered, grabbed the silver scope, and left. However, however, the victory was bittersweet. Many felt the use of democracy to beat the rocket mains ruined the victory, thus deepening the rift between those in favour of anarchy and those for democracy. They entered Lavender Town and the Pokemon Tower and swiftly defeated Blue. However, realising that only two members of the team could even touch ghost types, the hive mind collectively decided they should beat all the trainers in the routes below. They managed to acquire a TM for Swift along the way, which was eventually taught to Digrat in favour of Thunderbolt, which was deemed the worst possible outcome. The team decided to go to the rock tunnel and try and level up the keeper, which is a drowsy, as he was their only hope. Eventually, they returned and visited the name raider's home. Their dig rat was given an in-game nickname, A-A-J-S-T, open brackets, question mark, question mark, question mark. Many still refer to him as dig rat. The streamer once again decided to tinker with the anarchy democracy system, adding a small arrow indicating the direction the stream was headed, whether it was towards anarchy or democracy. The change didn't affect gameplay in any way. After a brief period of stream issues, the team was once again playing normally. The hive mind, still eager to keep to train up the keeper, returned to the rock tunnel and caught Zubat with some great balls that had been purchased at the local Pokemart. His nickname was Dash Dash Dash. He was called Dashbat by the fans. Once again, the team visited, visited Renamere. Dashbat was re nicknamed AAAAA, but then re renamed as Dash. It was decided to call him Jesse. Oddish also gained an in game nickname. He was deemed A, but this was later changed to X. Bracket A R A G G B A J. The team had rarely been referring to him as the Seed of Hope. But after this, he was just deemed to be called X-Cabbage. Once again, the team, torn on what to do, visited the rock tunnel and again caught a Zubat, this time named X. He was deemed X-Wing by the Hive Mind. The Hive Mind, after wandering around aimlessly for a bit, came to the conclusion they should get the TM for Psychic and teach it to the Keeper. They managed to retrieve it, but found it difficult to actually teach it. They decided to wait and try again later, entering the dojo and challenging its master. After defeating him, Red chose Hitmonlee, who was named CCC. The team decided his true nickname should be C3KO. The team immediately wanted to retrieve and use him, and went straight to the PC. This was a disastrous trip. Not only was cut and the essential sylph scope deposited, but C3KO was also released. Clearly the team wasn't worthy of him. X-Wing was released shortly afterwards, which wasn't a huge blow considering we already had a second Zubat. Despite the hardship the PC brought, the team knew they had to return. They couldn't progress without the Sylph Scope. They went back in and retrieved both the deposited items. Furthermore, the team once again attempted to teach Psychic to Drowsy, which was successful this time round. Nearing the mark of one whole week, the team went back to Pokemon Tower and caught a Ghastly, which was given no nickname, but called Rick Ghastly by the fans. 
The team slowly but surely climbed the tower, getting just a little bit further every time, but eventually losing at some point. The keeper unfortunately lost Psychic in, in favour of Headbutt on the journey, a big blow considering how useful Psychic had been for this short spell. Digrat finally evolved into Raticate as well, earning the new nickname Big Dig due to his obviously bigger size and how useful Dig was against opposing Ghastly and Haunters. Bird Jesus finally ob obtained an in-game nickname during a trip to the name rater, AAA, BAA, some decided to call him Abba Jesus, but most still referred to him as Bird Jesus. Rick Gasly was also retrieved from the PC without any sacrifice. The team finally made it into made it to a uh, made it to Marowak after a while. Big Dig being a valuable partner for his ability to slay ghosts. Marowak, as well as the rocket trainers above, were swiftly defeated by the team. Mister Fuji was rescued, and the team was able to progress. The next step was to use the newly acquired poker flute on the Snorlax block in their path. This was accomplished surprisingly quickly, and the battle quickly ensued. The team made an attempt to catch it, but ultimately failed, fleeing in the process. The hive mind ordered Red to progress further south. The team grew even stronger, with Cabbage evolving into a gloom, and Red obtaining the super rod, although this was never used properly. The team, knowing well that money would be required to enter the safari zone, presumably multiple times, battled every trainer they found. Eventually, they made it to Fuchsia City and headed straight to Koga's gym. After a few battles, the team left in favour of the Safari Zone. Shortly after paying and entering uh, Big Dig, uh, sorry, after paying and entering, Big Dig promptly dug them out, wasting a hard-earned 500 poker dollars. Once again, they headed off to the gym. The Hive Mind made the grave mistake of challenging Koga with just one Pokemon that was battle fit. They lost after a decent effort. The second attempt was far more successful culminating in Bird Jesus's heroic survival against Weezing's self-destruct. The badge was obtained, but unfortunately for Bird Jesus, he forgot his most viable move, Gust, in favour of Mirror Move. Another blow indeed, although, if used correctly, it could be helpful. The team once again journeyed to the Safari Zone after a few failures due to Big Dig running out of steps. The team opted for a democratic approach, afraid of running out of money. It was slow, but eventually they picked up Surf and the Golden Teeth, which they used to get strength. In their exploits in the Safari Zone, many new recruits joined. They caught five Nidorans, two Venonats, one Paris, one Execute, one Nidorino, one Venomoth, and one Rhyhorn. Some were given nicknames in the game, but the Hive Mind opted not to give any of them any fan nicknames, as there were way too many of them, and none of them have done anything notable to earn them. The team now had a new goal in mind. Retrieve Lapras. They made their way to Sylphco and were given Lapras upon arrival. It was named A-I-I-I-I-I-I-R-R-R-R-R and thus aptly called Air Jordan by the fans. She was taught the HM's Surf and Strength, which of course can't be deleted. The team now had a reliable HM Pokemon, provided they didn't box her of course. Along the way, Big Dig was deposited, which was unfortunate considering how well he was doing in the Pokemon Tower. In his place, the Venomoth caught in the Safari Zone was withdrawn. His nickname was A-A-T-T-V-V-V, and as a result, the fans called him ATV, which stands for All-Terrain Venomoth. The Hive Mind led Red to Giovanni, who was defeated rather swiftly. As a reward, the team received the Master Ball. Their next task was to challenge Sabrina's gym, 
her teleportation gym gave the team many issues, but they eventually made it to Sabrina, albeit with a ravaged team. Naturally, they lost almost immediately. The second attempt turned out differently, with a fully healed squad. Five team members fell to Kadabra, her first Pokemon, leaving Bird Jesus the only one alive. Through the power of Quick Attack, Bird Jesus was able to take out Sabrina's entire team. Red had earned his sixth badge. The team was unsure of what to do next, but ultimately decided it was best to try to go to the daycare centre again and leave ATA ATV there. They were unable to accomplish this and came up with a new plan, to catch Zapdos. On their way to the power plant, they were tasked with passing the infamous ledge a second time, but this time it only took a few hours rather than a whole day to pass. They used Air Jordan to surf to the power plant and encounter Zapdos. Miraculously, they managed to catch it without running away, and it was given the name AA-J and sent to the PC. The team had an exceptionally difficult time retrieving Zapdos. Twelve Pokemon were released, the most notable being Cabbage, Big Dig and Ducks. The rest were just Safari Pokemon. This left the team with nothing to use cut. Furthermore, although Zapdos was withdrawn, Bird Jesus and the Keeper were both deposited. The team kept trying to rescue the team by switching between anarchy and democracy regularly, but they had no luck doing so. They continued to attempt using the PC, eventually withdrawing both Big Jesus, Bird Jesus and the Keeper, but in the process Zapdos was deposited, meaning absolutely no progress was made. They decided to go to the daycare one last time, which was successful, and deposited Rick Gastly. They did this so that they could safely withdraw Zapdos with an empty slot in their party without having to deposit anything. The plan was a success. However, those 12 who were lost would never be forgotten. This terrible day was known as Bloody Sunday by the fans. Now with Bird Jesus, Bird Jesus and Zapdos, who was dubbed Battery Jesus, Archangel of Justice or Just Jesus 2 by the fans, the team believed nothing could stand in their way and they trudged forward. The team made their way to Pallet Town so they could access the water route to get to Cinnabar Island. While there, they evolved the Nidorino that had been withdrawn during all the PC craziness of the previous day with a Moonstone that had been acquired earlier. The now Nidor King was earlier nicknamed AAAAAAAAAAAAAA and called the Fonz by the community. Hey! He was then taught surf. After this, they used Air Jordan to surf to Cinnabar Island. Crushing all trainers in their path, they eventually landed in Cinnabar. Once they made landfall, their goal was clear. They needed to revive the Helix Fossil. This was accomplished successfully, and Omanite, with no nickname, was sent to the PC. Still wounded from the Bloody Sunday, the team was scared at the prospect of returning to the PC. After a quick scare of depositing Bird Jesus, both him and Lord Helix were rescued. Red now had a strong team of six good Pokemon. Fonz, Air Jordan, Bird Jesus, Battery Jesus, ATV, and of course, Lord Helix himself. For the listener, Fonz is an Idiking, Air Jordan is a Lapras, Bird Jesus was a Pidgeot, Battery Jesus was a Zapdos, ATV was a Venomoth, and Lord Helix was an Omanyte. They now set off for the Pokemon Mansion in search of the secret key. They took many tries to get the key, and at one point they fated while literally one click away from it. On another occasion, they actually got trapped by a trainer, forcing them to grind to the point of death. They finally accomplished it, and headed straight for Blaine's gym, who was swiftly defeated. Afterwards, they made their goal 
to return to a red house and deposit the poker flute in the PC. They did it here because you can't deposit slash release Pokemon on that PC. The project was successful. They no longer needed to worry about wasting it, wasting a turn using it in a battle. They now had one goal, get their final gym badge. They returned to Viridian City and attempted to enter the gym. The problem is that the gym is heavily fortified by a single ledge placed right below the entrance. It took many tries to enter, which was accomplished on one occasion in Anarchy Mode, but in all future attempts, democracy was used to enter. They finally reached Giovanni, and he was conquered for the third and final time in an exceptionally tight match, which was clutched by Bird Jesus. With all eight badges in tow, they had one final hurdle to cross, Victory Road. Before heading off, the team decided to grind Pokemon Mansion before they took on the Elite Four. After grinding for a while, the team headed off to Victory Road. During the entire lead-up, many had believed it would have taken forever for them to reach the gate due to the large number of ledges. However, against all odds, the team actually ended up making it in the first attempt. They entered and began the journey through the final dungeon. After eventually whiting out, they once again opted to train again, evolving Lord Helix into an Omastar in the process. Through the use of democracy, Victory Road and all its puzzles were conquered. The, leap, the Elite Four was of course difficult. They fought them many times, getting just a little further after each attempt and gaining levels in the process. At one point, they'd even defeated Lance through the use of ATV's poison powder and disable on Lance's Dragonite. It was quite the spectacle. Although lost to Blue was swift, they continued to challenge the league and the team knew that with each attempt, it became closer to their goal. At long last, they beat Blue at 16 days, 7 hours, 45 minutes and 30 seconds. The run to victory began with Batu Jesus cleanly sweeping Lorelei. Bruno, while slightly more difficult, was also taken out quickly by the Fonz and Batu Jesus. Agatha posed no threat as once again Batu Jesus led the team to victory. Lance proved a more difficult fight as his dragons resisted electric. A few members fell in the fight, but most of the team exited intact. The final battle with Blue was very intense, and he was able to take down the majority of Red's team, including Bird Jesus. But once again, it was Battery Jesus who came through for the team. His thundershock was enough to take down Blue's menacing Blastoise. And so concludes the epic tale of Twitch Plays Pokemon Red. But soon the team had a new adventure. The road was rough and filled with many memorable moments, places and characters. Those who fought for us will always be remembered. Well, we really hope you enjoyed listening to that, guys. Um, if you love Pokemon or you love mass gaming experiences, I can't recommend enough going digging out the Twitch Plays Pokemon Reddit uh, and having a look back at some of the experiences they've had or even looking up the Twitch feed now. There's a lot less people on it, but at the same time, it's still it's quite fun to just be part of and be a person that is, you know, the, I think when I went on the other day, there's about 100 people on there inputting stuff, and it's still cool. I think progress is a lot more swift than it was when there was 100,000 people trying to put inputs in there, or at least watching people trying to put the inputs in there. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening, guys. Um, and like I said, hopefully we'll resume normal service uh, next time. Um, speak to you all soon. Thanks. Bye.